Lucas Falk took at random a book from the stack of copies, placed it by reflex the reading glasses at the top of the nose, and without noticing, began to move his lips, as if, instead of reading, perhaps was counting money. Every morning, he went to the book distributor to restock some blacklist and widely published friendlist titles as well, many of which were the repetition of the same old promises. You are going to be captivated by this and by that, even for what follows beyond the first page. Those high-valuting promises were diluted pretty soon in a string of pathetic clichés and simple-minded screenwriting, with an eye to a never-ending streaming series, crammed with trivial and filler disguised as dialogues with petty conflicts that didn't even deserve an atmospheric reading. All the same, he still bore in mind what the hell was looking for, and the cardinal reasons why he was pulling such heart and soul into the thrill of the hunt. More than a diligent bookseller, Mr. Falk saw himself as a mere procurer, a pornographer in the proper sense of the word, whose job was to serve black ink typeface printed over white paper scroll, to be folded and bounded and cut as a copy with the ultimate goal at stake to beat get the reader's imagination run wild into a meta-paradise, although plausible, but always forbidden. Chase it, hidden. With this attention centered about such capacity, he waited up those first pages and ruled them out if he wasn't knocked out on the spot, but well-aimed punches due to the narrator. Well-adjusted, and without further restraints. He eventually came to wonder about everything he read. By way of illustration, how could some historical fiction authors spend so long documenting about clothes and whatnot, while at the same time, in a sexist scene, they were unable to elicit a ripping boner from the reader. Not for nothing, Mr. Ford maintained. The prominent characters in which they concerned so much passionately love each other, did they? All the bookseller wanted was to read for once a writer who wasn't the minor god of a corny garden, someone whose words would wake the colorful fantasy of hanging out with a body of many adventures, a true storyteller whose voice jumped from the pages a Celtic ghost with unfinished business that in the sleepless nights blew his mind beyond remedy. That was real stuff. Otherwise, the bookseller was at risk of selling a snake oil, a scam beautifully printed, and so devoid of content that perhaps it found its utility as an inert decorative item, but not to require fiction by the willing suspension of disbelief. The book that he chosen at first sight seemed to him extremely odd, and he wanted to live through it. However, 
it could not do it since the page borders were not trimmed by the paper cutter, something usual in some poetry collections, which is use an excellent paper of bone color, although in this case, more than a poetry collection, it was about an author who had ended up publishing his work at his own risk, probably not getting the printing cost right given that the cover, which graphing design was the map of a circular labyrinth with a clover in the center, did not credit any acknowledged imprint. That enigmatic copy went by the title, The Uncut Book, and the author preferred the anonymity, something unexpected in a self-publication. The bookseller Lucas Falk did without publications of this kind for many reasons. Because they lacked an editor job, a proofreader, a layout editor, and a competent printer that, in the case that it came upon a mistake, immediately he would get in touch with the publisher before starting the machinery. That copy had a bit of particular. The bookseller certainly read for a living, but also he did it for fun, passion and curiosity, reason enough to decide to open that book in his hands and get on with the job. The story begins openly in some kind of a site with a complicity cease, as if the narrator really was acting on a theater stage. A first line that without further ado he cooked up in a farewell from the floating wall, in that case in question, a sailboat moored in the marina, from which he would depart soon, not before relieving as a token to his confident patroness, a first reading, an ambitious manuscript, where he tried to tell the unexpected event that brought him writer's block to his very lonely life, except for the occasions that, with her, abounded in oral tradition. And the brilliant way in which he managed to turn the tables during the first night aboard that lake awake because of the Hellier's continuation to it, taking her as a narrative in such a manner that his boundless imaginations could lead him just like that at the age of time. In the same way he would do it, Lucas thought, in the event that his dog diagnosed him someday in a checkup with a terminal cancer. Well, he would write at full force. He was convinced that he would tell to his wife Olivia things that he had never told her. All of a sudden, he raised his eyebrows reading the grand finale of that theatrical aside, when apparently the favorite meeting place of the affair between the artist without a name, halfway vagabond and guest, and his discreet patroness, it was in a Barcelonian bookstore, that it might be his own, or perhaps the one in the ground floor of the department store with which he shared chamfer. The agitated Mr. Falk had no other choice but to assuage Denise by trimming the edges of that handmade paper, something that he did without further care, pulling out from the first thing that he found in his wallet, in that case a credit card. He realized, out of the blue, that the story had a protagonist, someone, which it seems his spitting image, because she shared with that one the same occupation. However, it had not still arrived today that obliging booksellers were characters so colorful as always had been the author's travel with writer's block. 
quite often fighting hard with the anxiety that was getting them paralyzed and laid their moral rock bottom until a depression swallowed them, with which he didn't take further importance to the issue. But the circumstances that such anonymous narrator wrote to detail after were a copy of his everyday life, extensive to the extreme by a realist description, sometimes poetic and always thorough, with specifics that his attention had not noticed until then, and by which he unexpectedly was feeling spellbound, without achieving to explain himself entirely, just like a mirror ring that to another dimension was able to move him, losing in this way his whole person into a phantasmagoria without bottom where he never reached to set foot, even though he wanted to.